together tonight. Appreciate this opportunity that we have to spend time in worship. Appreciate those who have been leading us in our worship. Appreciate Benny leading us in singing and Joel leading us in prayer. Appreciate Luke doing that scripture reading. I'll let you in on a little inside joke that we have. For the last month or so, we've been joking about the length of my scripture readings. And I think it's just poetic justice that he got the longest one in Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. So appreciate that. It's good to be together. Happy to spend this time in the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, let's go back to Ephesians 3. If you'll join me there, Ephesians chapter 3. And this evening we're going to be walking through verses 1 through 13. Ephesians chapter 3, as we continue to study this letter together and work our way throughout this letter from the Apostle Paul, Ephesians the third chapter, verses 1 through 13. I don't know about you, but I love a good mystery. Whenever I was in school, there were two kinds of books that kids always wanted to check out from the library, myself included. The guys always wanted to check out the Hardy Boys books, and the girls always wanted to check out the Nancy Drew books. I don't know if, if they're still popular. I don't know if kids are still reading these books. And I don't know if it, it was that way at any other school uh, other than the one that I was at. But there's really no overlap. The guys read Hardy Boys. The girls read Nancy Drew. If you've ever read those books or heard about those books, I think both of them have TV shows now. It's all about mysteries. When you read throughout the book, there's a mystery. The Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew, is trying to solve that mystery. And when you come to the end, they always end up cracking the code. But like a lot of people, I like watching TV more than I like reading. So if I wanted to watch a good mystery, of course I'm going to turn on Scooby-Doo. I loved Scooby-Doo as a kid. I was really excited about this when this came out. When Scooby-Doo and his gang teamed up with Batman and Robin... I had that DVD and I wore it out. There were two episodes of Scooby-Doo with Batman on that DVD. And I think I could like quote both of those episodes standing here. I'll, I'll spare you that tonight. But I, I've always loved Scooby-Doo, the mystery behind it. I still like Scooby-Doo. Actually, last year at Halloween, my wife and I and, and some of our friends from West Tennessee dressed up as the gang. I don't know what we're going to be for Halloween this year. I haven't figured that out yet. Still have about a month to go. Everybody loves a good mystery. You read a Hardy Boys book, you read a Nancy Drew book, it's all about this mystery throughout the entirety of it, and at the end, the mystery is solved. At the end, the mystery is revealed. The same is true with Scooby-Doo. When you watch an episode of Scooby-Doo, there's some kind of monster, there's some kind of ghost throughout the entire episode, but then at the end, they solve it. And that ghost or that monster always ends up being a person. Well, when you look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, Paul talks about a mystery. It's a mystery that originated in the mind of God. It's a mystery that was hidden. It was covered up for thousands and thousands of years, but yet, when we look at this section of Scripture, it's a mystery that was revealed. A mystery that was revealed through the preaching and teaching and ministry of the Apostle Paul. This is actually a very personal section of Scripture for the Apostle Paul. So far throughout Ephesians, we've been talking about the spiritual blessings that we have in Jesus. Appreciate Joel mentioning those in his prayer. We've been talking about the salvation that God offers. Ephesians 2 and verse 8, By grace you've been saved through faith. 
Throughout the last part of Ephesians 2, last week we talked about how God offers salvation to the Gentiles. How one time they didn't have anything spiritually, but now they have everything spiritually. And the difference between those two places is, of course, Jesus. What Jesus has done for them. We've been talking about how the Jews and Gentiles have been joined together in the same group. How Jesus and His sacrifice has made them one new man, the text tells us. To put it simply, we've been talking about what it means to be in Jesus. What it means to live in Jesus. Jesus. But when you start Ephesians 3, Paul takes a very personal turn where he begins to reflect on his life, his ministry, his preaching, his teaching, his involvement in this mystery that God has revealed. So let's notice that together. Let's notice not only what Paul has to say about it in this section of Scripture, but perhaps also some relevance that it has in our lives. When we begin reading through this section of Scripture in Ephesians 3 verses 1 through 7, we see that this mystery was revealed to Paul. Paul has a number of different things to say about that. He, of course, begins the place where it all starts in Ephesians 3 is that the mystery was revealed to him. The mystery was revealed to the Apostle Paul. If you look at the first three verses of Ephesians 3, he talks about his ministry in three different ways. First, he talks about how he's a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Remember, when Paul is writing this letter, he's sitting in prison. He's sitting under house arrest in the city of Rome. And so we might expect him to say something like, he's a prisoner of Rome, or he's a prisoner of Caesar. But that's not what he says. He says, I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. Yes, I'm a prisoner. But ultimately, I don't belong to Rome. Ultimately, I don't belong to the Caesar. He says, I'm a prisoner and I belong to Jesus. A prisoner of Christ Jesus, he says, on behalf of you Gentiles. Rightfully so. We call Paul the apostle to the Gentiles. When you read throughout the book of Acts, when you read throughout the book of Galatians specifically, you see him interested in salvation for all people. He's interested in salvation for the Jews. But he spent the majority of his time and the majority of his effort ministering and preaching to the Gentiles. In fact, that's the reason that he's in prison. If you go back to Acts chapter 26 and read that a little bit later tonight, Paul is sitting in house arrest in the city of Rome because he was preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. And so he says, let me tell you about my ministry. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles. Verse 2, he says that he's a steward of God's grace. He assumes that those in the church at Ephesus had heard about his stewardship of God's grace. What does it mean to be a steward? If you're a steward, that means that you've been entrusted with something valuable. You're a servant that's been entrusted with something very significant or important. Paul says, that's what I am. He says, I'm a steward of God's grace. God has entrusted me with His grace as a minister of the Gospel. He says, this grace was given to me for you. Again, pointing to the Gentiles, the Apostle to the Gentiles, making known the Gospel to the Gentiles. And then in verse 3, he says that he is the one who the mystery has been made known to. Verse 3 is the first time we find that word, mystery. Paul says, this mystery has been made known to me. How? By revelation. 
Which if you go to Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, Paul comments a little bit more on that. He says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me is not man's gospel. For I didn't receive it from any man, nor I was taught it. Well, Paul, how would you receive it? But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul wants to be very clear that his knowledge of the mystery, his knowledge of the gospel was not given to him by another person. It wasn't given to him by another human being. It's not man's gospel, but this is something that he received through a revelation from Jesus Christ. And so Paul begins saying, let me tell you about my ministry. And let me tell you about how this mystery was made known to me by revelation, how Jesus revealed this mystery to me. But as we continue reading in Ephesians chapter 3, it's not just that this mystery was revealed to Paul, but this mystery was also revealed to his readers. If you go back to the very end of verse 3, he says, I've written this briefly. Some think that that means Paul wrote another letter to the Ephesians where he was talking about this mystery. I think what that little phrase there at the end of verse 3 means, it's pointing to the first couple chapters. He says, I want you to know that that God has revealed this mystery to me. I, I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ, and I've been writing about it. In our English translations, the way that it's divided up, I've been telling you about it in chapter 1. I've been telling you about it in chapter 2. Now I want you to understand my involvement in it. Well, if this mystery was revealed to Paul by revelation from Jesus, how could his readers know it? And how can we know it today? Verse 4, he says, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. He says, when you read, he says, when you study my writings, you can understand what I understand. You can know what I know about this mystery. It was revealed to the Apostle Paul, but Paul didn't want to keep it a secret. He didn't want this mystery to remain a mystery. No, he says, when you read my writings, you're able to know this mystery. Jesus revealed it to me, and I'm revealing it to you. But then you look at verse 5, and he talks about how this mystery was not revealed to previous generations. This mystery that we're talking about here, is it something they knew about in the Old Testament? Is it something that they clearly understood? Is it, is it something that was apparent to them? Well, Paul says this mystery of Christ in verse 4 was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to His holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. I think 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10-12 through 12 really helps us out with this. Where Peter is talking about the salvation that we've received, the salvation we will ultimately receive as Christians. He says prophets in the Old Testament, they inquired. And they asked questions. They, they were searching diligently about what this means. They were making these prophecies about what was going to happen, but it was veiled to them. They were asking questions. They were inquiring. They were searching. What in the world does all of this mean? When you get to the end of verse 12 in 1 Peter, 2, in 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter even says that angels long to look into this. That this is something that not even angels had a full awareness of. He said throughout the Old Testament, they didn't understand it. It wasn't revealed to them like it's been revealed to us through the preaching and teaching of the apostles and prophets. We mentioned last week that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets teaching and preaching. And so it says it was made known to me, this mystery was revealed to me, 
I've revealed it to you as my readers. When you read this, you can understand what I understand. And it's something that wasn't revealed in the past. In God's plan, and God's infinite wisdom, it was hidden, it was veiled, it was in darkness throughout the entire Old Testament period. I think one question still remains. What is this mystery? We haven't defined it yet. We've seen who this mystery has been revealed to and who it's not been revealed to, but, but what is this mystery in substance? Verse 6 comes out and tells us. Paul says, this mystery, this mystery revealed to me, revealed to you, that wasn't revealed in previous generations, he says, here it is. It's that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. That the Gentiles are members of the same body. That the Gentiles are partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the Gospel. I love how Clinton Arnold talks about this in his commentary. He says in a rhetorically powerful fashion, Paul reveals that at the heart of the mystery God has revealed is the fact, here it is, that the Gentiles now share equality with Jews in the blessings of the new covenant life with God. He says that's the big deal here. That's the mystery that's been revealed that Gentiles now have equal standing before God just like the Jews. Which to us... That's not really a groundbreaking idea. Looking at our background, looking at what we are ethnically as Gentiles, it's not really a big deal that Gentiles can be a part of the body. It's something we see all the time. But if you step into Paul's world, and you have the first Gentile being converted in Acts chapter 10, Cornelius and his household, it's always been about the Jews, but now the Gentiles are becoming a part of the body of Christ. They've been molded into this new man. It was something that was groundbreaking. The mystery that God revealed to Paul. Well, what about us? We see the significance in Paul's life and the life of his readers, but what significance does this mystery have in our lives? Well, first I would like to suggest that this mystery was not just revealed to Paul, but it's been revealed to us. Whenever we read Paul's writings, we're able to know what this mystery is. We're able to know exactly what he knew about this mystery of Christ. The Gentiles being fellow heirs and members of the same body. Of course, it wasn't revealed to us in the same way it was revealed to Paul. It was revealed to Paul by Jesus. And whenever we read and study Paul's writings, that mystery is still revealed to us today. But then, if we take a step further, this is not just something that's out there. This is not just something that's been revealed to us, but it's something that's been understood by us. Whenever we read passages of Scripture, when we read passage, study passages of Scripture like this one, we're able to understand what Paul understood. We're able to know exactly what Paul knew about this mystery. It's been revealed to us. It's been understood by us. But then I think we need to take one step further to say that this has been claimed by us. This is... A mystery that we have claimed ethnically. As Gentiles, we're able to be fellow heirs. We're able to be members of the body. We're able to be, when you look in Ephesians chapter 3, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus. And it goes all the way back to this mystery that was hidden for thousands of years and revealed through the preaching, teaching, and ministry of the Apostle Paul. It's been revealed to us. It's been understood by us. And we've claimed it. It's changed us. It's transformed us. It's the reason that we're here tonight. 
So when you look at this mystery in Ephesians chapter 3, certainly it's a mystery that was revealed to Paul. But whenever we continue reading, we also find that this was a mystery that was revealed by Paul. Like we said a minute ago, I've written this to you briefly. When you read this, you're able to understand what I understand. Paul didn't want this mystery to remain a mystery. He didn't want this to remain a secret. He didn't want this to remain veiled like it was throughout the Old Testament time. He didn't want it to remain in darkness. And so as it was revealed to Paul, it was also revealed by Paul. Well, how? What did that look like? How was this mystery revealed by Paul? Well, Paul talks a little bit about it. First, he talks about God's grace. In verses 7 and 8, of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. Oftentimes when we think about grace, we only think about it in connection with forgiveness. God gives me forgiveness that I don't deserve, and that's what His grace is in my life. I find it interesting that that's not the way Paul's talking about grace here. When Paul talks about grace, certainly it includes forgiveness in Ephesians 3. But what he's really talking about is his ministry. He says, God has given me this ministry that I don't deserve. He's given me the position as a minister, a servant of the gospel that I haven't earned. When you look in verse 8, he says, I'm the least of all the saints. You take all the holy people of God, those who have been saved by His grace, and you write them down on a piece of paper. Paul says, I'm going to be at the very bottom. Why would he view himself in that way? You remember what he did in his past? Before Paul was Paul, we called him Saul. And when we called him Saul, what did he do? He persecuted the church. He persecuted those who belonged to Jesus. He said, I'm the very least of all the saints, but I've made known this mystery by the grace of God. By God's grace, He's given to me a ministry, a position in the church that I don't deserve. Going from a persecutor to a minister. It's quite a transformation, isn't it? He continues on. He says, I, I make known this mystery. I reveal this mystery by preaching the unsearchable riches of Christ. In verse 8, he says, I'm, I'm doing that to the Gentiles. Again, he's the apostle to the Gentiles. We see that throughout the New Testament. He's focused on salvation for the Gentiles. We see that earlier in Ephesians chapter 2. He said, I preach Jesus to them. I preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Again, going from someone who persecuted Christ to someone who preached Christ. A Jew who persecuted the church to a minister, a servant, who is proclaiming the unsearchable riches of Jesus. It's quite a change. Quite a transformation. And then number three, he says, I've revealed this mystery by bringing to light the plan of the mystery. It's as if it was sitting in darkness. Throughout the entire Old Testament time, this plan of God that had been in His mind from all of eternity for Gentiles to be a part of His church was in darkness. I mean, imagine what would happen if we turned all the lights off in here, we made sure all the doors were closed, it'd get pretty dark. We'd be sitting in darkness. And Paul says it's like this plan, this mystery was sitting in darkness. But look at what God's allowed me to do through my ministry. He says, I've brought it to light. I've shined the light on it, and now it's been revealed. Now everyone is able to see it. Now it's able to be made known to both Jew and Gentile. Well, that's the how, Paul. I, I see how you did this. Why did you do this, though? 
Why did you make known this mystery? Well, first he says in verse 10, I've made it known so that God's wisdom can be seen. He says in verse 10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Remember, the heavenly places refers to the spiritual dimension, the spiritual realm. He's talking about the rulers and authorities in the spiritual realm. Probably talking about Satan and his minions. He says, I've revealed this mystery so that Satan and his minions in the spiritual realm can look down and see God's wisdom in the church. In the very existence of the church. In the very existence of a body that has been saved by blood. In the very existence of a group that has brought together two groups who are so different, the Jews and the Gentiles, by the very existence of the church, Satan and his minions are able to look and see God's manifold wisdom. To see His wisdom unfolded in His people. Just the existence of His people. And then He says, I've done this to carry out God's plan. He says in verse 11, this was according to the eternal purpose that He's realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. I don't know about you, but when I make plans, the majority of the time, they don't work out like a plan. 2020 taught us, if you're going to write down your plans, don't use a pen, don't use a sharpie, use a pencil. Because it has an eraser on the back, right? We make plans, and those plans don't always work out. Well, here's a plan of God that has worked out. A plan that He had in His mind from before the beginning. His eternal purpose that has been carried out in Jesus. This mystery that has been made known through Paul's ministry. So when he turns his attention back to his readers, he doesn't want them to be discouraged. Verse 13, he doesn't want them to be disheartened by the suffering that he's going through or, or the house arrest that he's under. He says, this is all part of God's plan. God revealed his mystery to me. I've revealed that mystery to others. I've preached the unsearchable riches of Christ. I've received God's grace. I've made known this mystery. And that's why I'm sitting here. That's why I'm in prison. So don't be discouraged about what I'm going through. But instead, verse 12, have confidence, boldness, and access to the Father through Jesus. This mystery, it wasn't just revealed to Paul, but it was revealed by Paul. So what about us? We mentioned just a few minutes ago that this mystery has been revealed to us by Paul. It's been understood by us when we read and study his writings. It's something that we have claimed. It's changed us. It's transformed us. But then I think there's one part of the puzzle that's still missing. That yes, it's been revealed to, it's been understood, it's, by, it's been claimed by us, but it's also something that should be proclaimed by us. It's something that we should share with other people. Evangelism is not a curse. Sharing the Word of God is not a responsibility. We shouldn't think about it as a responsibility as something we have to do, but something we get to do. Evangelism is not a curse. According to Ephesians 3, evangelism is God's grace. He's giving to us a position. He's giving to us opportunities. He's giving to us a ministry that we don't deserve. That we haven't earned for our sinful mouths to tell others about Him. What a privilege that is. What an opportunity that is. 
We have the same responsibility that Paul had. To make known the unsearchable riches of Christ. To talk about the plan of the mystery that was in God's mind but has now been revealed whenever we read the pages of Scripture. See, what I'm afraid of is that when we look at the church, we're really good at the first three. We're good at, okay, this mystery's been revealed to me. I've understood it. I've claimed it in my life. It's a part of who I am. And I end there. How many of us are actively involved in sharing our faith? How many of us are actively involved in taking this mystery in Ephesians 3 that we can be fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus, and sharing it with those who haven't understood it. Those who haven't claimed it. This mystery was revealed to Paul and it was revealed by Paul. And the question is, what about us? I want to challenge you to follow in His footsteps this week. Allow this mystery to be revealed to you in deeper ways. Spend time in Scripture this week. Spend time reading the Word of God. Thinking about maybe this passage. Digging deeper into Ephesians 3 verses 1-13. through Allow this mystery to be revealed to you. But don't stop there. Make it known to others. Don't just allow it to be revealed to you, but allow it to be revealed through you. And you know, a good practical way to start that, if you're like me, maybe sometimes you don't know where to start, what I've found to be helpful, a good way to start, is that in a conversation with somebody this week, just bring up the name Jesus. You have to quote Scripture, Adam. You don't have to take them to Ephesians 3 and walk them through this passage. No, just mention the name Jesus to somebody this week. And allow that to build. Allow that to build to the point where you sit down, you think about Scripture together, and this mystery is brought to light in their hearts and in their minds. Does this sound, some, does this sound like something you'd like to be a part of tonight? This mystery in Ephesians chapter 3 that's been revealed? If you're not a part of it, or if you'd like to come back to it, we're here to help as we stand and as we sing.